0: You're listening to the Women as in Art podcast, and I am your host, Leah Schrager. Hi, welcome to Women as in Art, Ariana. Um, Today we have Ariana Page Russell, and I am really looking forward to talking with you. I've been a fan of your work for a super long time, like 10 years, I think.
1: Wow. So great <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so let me start by reading your bio. Um, Ariana Page Russell is a Los Angeles-based artist whose work has been exhibited in New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, Miami, Boston, Reno, Scottsdale, Dublin, Belgium, New Delhi, Toronto, Australia, Bolivia, and Venezuela. She creates images that explore the skin as a document of human experience, using her own hypersensitive flesh to illustrate the ways we expose, express, adorn, and articulate ourselves. She has dermatographia, a condition in which one's skin temporarily welts when lightly scratched. Her work has appeared in Art in America, The Huffington Post, Hyperallergic Wired, The Atlantic, Vision Magazine, China, The Indian Express, and the monograph Dressing, published by Decode Books. She was was featured on ABC News 2020 and was invited to give a TEDx talk at University of North Carolina in 2016. She received her MFA from the University of Washington, Seattle in 2005. Um, Welcome. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. So I'm sure you get this question all the time, but can you please tell us a bit more about dermatographia and also is it painful?
1: Okay. So it's, I say, I I call it dermatographia, but it's, you can say however, but um, so Uh basically, hmm? yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Dermatographia. Am I saying it right now? Dermatographia? Uh, yeah, everybody says it a little bit different. Some people also okay. call it dermographia and uh-huh. different things. So um it basically derma means skin and graph mm-hmm. you know means write. So it's basically translated as skin writing. And um it's totally painless, although it can be really annoying if I get scratched and my skin starts to itch. Um, thankfully I have kind of a mild case of it. So, and, and it's gotten better over the years, so it's not as itchy as it used to be, but basically I just get a little scratch in a welt forms and you can see, you know, in my work, <laughs> you can see what yeah. it looks like. But yeah. Sometimes the welts are,
0: get really dramatic. Yeah, definitely. And have you always created work around this skin, your skin condition, or was that something you came to later in your practice?
1: Yeah, that, so I've always been interested in the body and, and the, the body, especially my own body. I've been doing self-portraiture for most of my career, like starting in an undergrad um, and always just interested in the shapes that the body forms and, and how it can be abstracted and things that resemble the body. And um, and then in 2004, when I was in grad school at University of Washington, um, I was like accidentally, not I accidentally scratched my knee when I was photographing something else that was like it was this kelp that I found in the Puget Sound, and it resembled skin. So I, I was like photographing that, and I saw that this these marks that I made on my knee resembled the kelp. So I photographed my knee, and then like I had the this is back when I was using film still. I mean it was two thousand four. Almost 20 years ago. So uh, I had all the pictures printed out and they were on my desk in my studio and my, you know, my um, peers and professors came in to do a studio visit and they were like, what is this? So it kind of happened on accident a little bit. Oh, uh, you know, I didn't set out with like, I'm going to photograph my dermatographia. It just sort of presented itself to me. And, and then they said, what's going on with your skin? And I said, oh, you know, it's just sensitive, whatever. And they're like, no, this is not, I'm <laughs> to find out what's going on here. Your skin is not just sensitive. There's something else going on.
0: Oh, wow. Did you not realize you had dermatographia at that point? Oh, no, I didn't. So through your art, you realized it in a way. Yeah, exactly.
1: So um, luckily, I went to the health clinic at the school and the doctor I saw knew what it was because wow. back then people, a lot of doctors didn't know what it was. And a lot of doctors still don't aren't able to identify mm. it and give people a name for what it is. But then once I had a name for it, then it was like, Oh, okay, here we go. Like this is something, I don't know. I just felt very freeing and grounding mm. at the same Great. time to just like have this, I, this name for this thing that my skin does when I had previously thought I just had really super sensitive skin.
0: Oh, Which I do, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's very
1: sensitive and I have dermatographia.
0: That's fascinating. And your work is so beautiful. I, um, I'm i trying to, I can't remember when I first saw it, but I saw your work again recently. I was with Eric Swenson at um, the Lisa Seth Gallery. And I walked in and looked at the show and it was cool. And her gallery is very cool. But then I saw your piece and I was like, oh my God, this is by far my favorite in the gallery. And it just reminded me <laughs> about you. So um yeah so that's in they're in phoenix or scottsdale or scottsdale Scottsdale. so um that reminded me of your work and it's so striking it's super striking um your work the skin it's very like i feel like it evokes a lot of um emotion um and i'm actually curious about sorry i'm kind of going off a little already but like i'm curious about how like how do you find people react to it and is um, to seeing the images, given that they kind of will range, I feel like, from just really beautiful and in a way splendid and elegant to kind of a bit disturbing and like it looks like it hurts sometimes, even if it doesn't. How do you find people react and then how do you feel about
1: that? Well, it's all over the place for sure. I mean, a lot of people do see pain in the work, and and I I get it. You know, the, my skin is very pale, so it looks super red and inflamed when I get a welt. Mm-hmm. But even though I tell people it doesn't hurt, you know, it's still mm-hmm. people just get away from that idea of pain, which mm-hmm. is not terrible. I mean, I'm not into self harm. You know, I have to say, but. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. think that there's anything wrong with with talking about pain in art, you know, and Mm -hmm. and acknowledging that as humans and our bodies experience pleasure as well as pain. So I like that it does have that kind of line between that like beauty and disgust for some people. I think it makes it interesting. And then it also it makes people confront how they view their own skin too, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, maybe not for everyone, but if if somebody I've had people say that like, oh, how dare you do something like this and put it out in public for other people to see, this should be your private thing. And it's like, oh. okay, well that's your private thing. <laughs> you know, don't look uh-huh. at it. like <laughs> It's none of your business. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's been a range. And even when I was in grad school and I started doing this work, I had a lot of people uh, that were not supportive that did not like what I was doing. And they thought that it was just, um, I had somebody call it a tired diary of self-mutilation and I swear, started like, oh. to leave my mind. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's oh. funny,
1: he's now actually,
0: my work. <laughs> oh, really? So- How interesting. Huh?
1: I know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, especially at university of Washington, there wasn't like a huge feminist presence when I was there. So mm-hmm. it was a little tough. I, I don't know how it is now because, you know, I was there, I graduated in 2005. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I just, I really had to like carve out my own path with it. And I, the people who were supportive were really supportive and really helped me move forward with it. But then other people were just kind of ignored it and didn't want to have anything to do with it. But um, then once it got out into the greater world, then it became this whole other thing where it's uh it doesn't just appeal to people who are artists or who are interested in art Mm -hmm. there's people who have the skin condition who need um to sorry my husband keeps calling Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's like mom life uh calling (laughs) but um yeah so there's like Shoot, I so you're supporting that. people your support
0: is uh, like i looked at your website it looks like you're supporting people who have the condition in terms of education and sharing art yes. and stuff like that yeah yes. so it kind of became also a Oh, I guess I hate to say it, real world thing. I don't know. Is there a better way to say it?
1: Um, yeah, no, it's, it is like that. It's a, because yeah. there's a lot of people who have this condition. It's yeah. like a, at least 5% of the population, if not more. I mean, they're in all over the oh. world. It affects all skin tones, My. all cultures, all over. And um, a lot of people are struggling with it. And they feel embarrassed and alone. And they just are happy to see that somebody – has done something with it, and and they're not ashamed of it. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: That's so great. Um, So I'd love to hear a bit more about Seattle because I went to the University of Washington for undergrad. I was in the dance and biology department, and I graduated. I like, can't remember right now. I think it was 2007, around there. So I we maybe were there at the same time, just in different oh, departments. Like yeah, me. that's so I cool. Liked- I didn't really know what art was then, like fine art, photography. I I had actually, I feel like until I moved to New York, I really didn't know. Like I knew, um, I had some friends who were also in the art department, but I just didn't know what it was. So anyways, it's, it's, yeah. um, I'd love to hear more about Seattle, UW, anything like that. Cause I like Seattle mm-hmm. a lot.
1: Yeah. I, I love living in Seattle. I was there for six years and, um, really loved it but i have to say that after this after 6 years i was ready to leave because it is gloomy in the <laughs> winter yeah. it is yes. Yes. and uh i'm originally from reno which is like one of the sunniest oh, places oh my besides yeah. like yeah. new mexico and la yeah. <laughs> so yeah so it was, and Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it was a big, big change but um, but yeah, I mean, Seattle's beautiful. I loved my time there. One thing that I really loved about the grad program is they were really big on teaching. And so I got a lot of oh. opportunities to teach. And oh, cool. um, and I worked with some great professors and very into theory. And so I learned a lot about theory and art history. Uh, like I said, though, I was disappointed by the feminist presence mm-hmm. uh, in the professors at the school. Yeah. It was like a friend of mine put it this way. He said, it people... In the in the Pacific Northwest, they know what they're against, but they don't necessarily know what they stand <laughs> for or something. Like I thought that yeah. was a pretty apt way to nice. to think about it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed my time, and I kept teaching for a while after I graduated. Mm-hmm. But then, and then I moved to New York, and then kind of gave up on the teaching side of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I. Also like I said, you know, finding that kelp in the in at Golden Gardens. Do you remember that place? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. I yes.
0: <laughs> I remember so, swimming there in like September <laughs> when I was young cool. and crazy. Yes. <laughs> it was beautiful. This is the ocean, yeah. right? Like all way is just basically the Puget Sound, super beautiful. Mm-hmm. The classic yeah. beach you would drive to from the University of Washington going straight mm-hmm. west
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so it's not the coast but it's like being right. uh, yeah true. but it's like being on the coast true. when you're very there. true. yeah yes yeah but it feels like I mean, that i had never seen kelp like that before because it's so <laughs> oh, cold fun. up there that it, there's like different there's different seaweed that they get mm-hmm. so I, when i started collecting that you know i found it so inspiring and that's what inadvertently led me to doing the dramatographia work so i feel like it was so perfect
0: that's so cool
1: yeah, and then um, some of my photo professors, and then the, my other the other grad students, my peers, they were that, like encouraging me to pursue it. So
0: yeah, that's so cool. So cool. Yeah, I think. I feel like there's a bit of a parallel in that I also, and even where I was I I was at Parsons in 2016, I graduated with my MFA. And I also felt there that the sort of kind of feminism I was looking for was a bit lacking. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, also similar tones of being like, why are you putting that out in public? It should be private. so. I mean, I think we have different kinds of work, but both kind of provocative and intimate, perhaps. Um,
1: so. And referencing our own bodies and you know, yes. using our own bodies in our work. So.
0: Yes, yes. Which is so um, common, I think, for female artists, like a kind of performance slash photographic documentary, documenting the body artist. And I think that it, I mean... there's a long history of the model as artist in a way, trying to be respected, not quite being considered art. Um, Do you find that or what would be your perspective on like model as artist and then how the female body as art presented through the female, like the same person as an artist, how that is received or how it's presented?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there's, I think that for some people, there can be a tendency to just immediately dismiss it. Because it's like, oh, well, you're a woman, of course, you're making art with your body or something. Or like, you Mm -hmm. know, that's the the feminist way or like, there's so many people who've done that before. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Uh, it's hard because I have, there's so many other things going on too, where it's like uh, with my work in particular, like photographing the skin condition and, uh, Mm -hmm. and calling it art and it being my own body. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it, yeah, definitely there is, it can be hard to be recognized as the artist when Mm -hmm. it's the model. Um, But even, I mean, if you're modeling for someone, even if it's for yourself or something, you have a role. You know, you're not just like some statue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you the the other person wouldn't be able to make what they're making without you. Is right. that I think I, is that my understanding the question?
0: Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but models, like by default, right, don't get the credit. Let's say the model and the photographer is someone separate, right? The photographer gets the def by default gets the credit. So there's kind of this implicit power balance, perhaps. Even though it could be so much about what the model is bringing,
1: yeah, right. I mean, you models know how to move their bodies or how to be in front of the camera, and mm-hmm. sure the photographer or whoever can direct them, mm-hmm. but yeah they the the model is the one who's who's there doing it,
0: yeah, totally, okay, let's find sorry, sorry, the questions I actually sent you. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, let's jump into those. What do you see as the biggest challenges and opportunities for women now in the arts?
1: Well, I think I was thinking about this earlier, um, after I saw your questions and one thing that's pretty cool about opportunities is that there are more marginalized voices in the mainstream. So I feel like, you know, like right now, uh, not quite. We're not quite there yet, but I was gonna say right now, it's not the best time to be a white man because you you know it's like well, let's uh, you be quiet. let's give some other people a chance to talk. <laughs> yeah. um, I, but although I say that and it's like there's still so many white men out there, it's it's we have we have a ways to go. but um you know, I, I like that there is a lot more of an effort to bring voices different voices in into the mainstream and there's like grants and shows that are being held for women and people of color. And, um, it's great. Mm -hmm. We need more voices out there. We need more perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, like what we were talking about before, some challenges are like maybe not being taken seriously or I remember this is a little different, but, uh, when I first moved to New York and it was, it was winter. and Yes. It was winter when I first moved there. And like, as it was starting to warm up, you know, people were less and less close because it's so hot and you're like outside walking around all the time. And, and then I have never been like harassed as much as I have been in New York city, just all the cat calls and all of the things that, that men would say to me, like, Oh, smile. You should smile. You're pretty, or, you know, just stupid shit like that. Um, so I think there is, especially as like an attractive woman, then automatically some people are just going to write you off. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that can be kind of a challenge. I don't know. I mean, I feel like not, it's not as much and as it maybe. That's
0: definitely a challenge.
1: (laughs) I hope it's getting better. I mean, I feel like it's getting better, but I don't know. I'm also not like in that world as much as I used to be, mm-hmm. which means the other challenge of being a woman in art is motherhood. I mean, you know, if, if people decide to have a child, most of it falls on the mother. Um, you know, it's like, we're the ones who give birth. Our bodies have to go through all of the things <laughs> the baby. And yeah, I mean, my, my birth experience was pretty tough. It was Ooh. a pretty big deal. And, um, it it really set me back. I mean, not not set me back. That's the wrong way to put it. But, you know, it took me a long time to heal from it. Oh, and yeah. 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 Yeah, you get it. I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, sure. Oh, yes,
0: I am. I'm, I I want to hear about it, but you also don't have to share if you don't want to. <laughs> if you no, want to I'm, share. I'm fine, about fine
1: it. with sharing it. I don't think that yeah. there should be any shame in sharing our birth experiences yeah. or birth stories. I mean, not that if somebody doesn't want to share it, that means they're ashamed of it. Just, you know, I'm yeah. like, I'm fine with being open about it. Um, What happened for me is I really wanted to have a natural birth. I was going to a uh, uh, birthing center. I was working with midwives. I was doing all the things. I was doing the Kegels and the you know the exercises and the uh, what are they called? I don't know. I can't remember. Perineal now. massage? No, I wasn't. No, no it was I, like a set of. <laughs> I think I was doing some of that too. Yeah, right, but right. Um, but then like the. I don't know, like listening to Hypno Babies, and um, mm. there were some other exercises yeah. too like, that are split like well, you do. All I did squat, that too. <laughs> yeah. And you get yourself prepped for the birth. Mm. So mm. I was like, I'm doing it at the birth center with the midwives. I'm not going to the hospital, but of course they want you to make sure you have a relationship with the a hospital just in case, because sometimes things don't go as planned. And I was like, Oh sure. It's fine if things don't go as planned. But you know, I was always like, well, <laughs> I'm having my natural birth. So um, I was so dead set on having this natural birth that I was just like, it was like, that's all I cared about almost. I mean, obviously I cared Mm -hmm. about my baby too and his health and my health. But actually, you know what? I was like more concerned about his health and my natural birth than I was about my Mm -hmm. own health. I was, uh, when it was all said and done, it was 60 hours of labor. (gasps) Oh my God. And 40 hours of that was unmedicated. So I was having 40 hours of regular contractions with no medication. And I, uh, what happened was I think my pelvis was a little tilted. And so he, Mm -hmm. his head was at an angle. So he got stuck in my pelvis Mm -hmm. and he just, I mean, I was dilated. He just couldn't get out. And so then it was just getting really stressful. Like I had been vomiting and I couldn't keep anything down. And I mean, so I would have had like, no, I was completely dehydrated. I had no hydration, no sustenance, Ugh. and they were they had me on IVs, and I was just mm-hmm. swelling up like a balloon. I mean, it was crazy, mm-hmm. and th- but I still didn't want to go to the hospital. And the mm-hmm. midwife was like, "Mariana, you have to go to the hospital." Mm-hmm. So the the gynecologist there um, knew how important it was for me to have a, a vaginal burst. So you know, I got on the epidural, <laughs> the epidural, mm-hmm. and I was like so relieved. Yeah. My husband and our doula left the room and they came back and I was like a different person. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. I had totally, been yes a shell of myself. I was <laughs> just, I mean, I, you know, if it had been like 20 hours of the, the, the contractions and then he was finally born, I could have handled it, but then it was yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. so many hours. Okay. So then finally yeah. he, the the doctor was like, we have got to, we've got to do an emergency C-section.
0: Oh, oh, she, yeah. yeah. Cause
1: it was, my blood pressure was dropping. And then he, mm-hmm. he had started, you know, there's meconium in the, yeah in the, yeah. the amniotic fluid. And so mm-hmm. they, and like, he was stressed. My son yeah. was stressed yeah. and I was stressed. It was just getting to be too much. Yeah. So then yeah. after all that, I had a C-section <sighs> and, um, you know, it was, after it, was, it just takes long, a long time to recover from from anything but it's, yeah. it was like not only did i have to have heal my body from that which was pretty mm-hmm. traumatic for my body yeah. <laughs> and i was yeah. i was 37 when i got pregnant so you know mm-hmm. i was not like 20s or early 30s even mm-hmm. so um then and then i had to heal uh, my ideas around the birth i had yeah. to recover from my birth Birth story, I, You know, I had to come to terms with my birth story. And that's mm-hmm. hard too, because it's like, I'm not ashamed of having to have a, a C-section. I was just really disappointed. But no matter what, like my son came out just fine. Mm-hmm. And so that's, we're both fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you heal? How, how did you heal? from your birth story or heal your birth story or come to terms
1: with well, it? Well, you know, I, I'm really glad that we had a, our doula. Cause I, mm. I mean, we're still friends, you know, and it's been mm. over five years, five almost five and a half years since my son was mm. born. So um, she really helped a lot. Mm. She told the story from her perspective and mm. when she talked about how strong she saw me as being and, and, you know, like that, like her perspective of me and what I went through and how determined I was and just um, how much I cared about my son and everything, then that was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. right. I didn't fail because I didn't get my natural birth. This was just something else that happened. So that helped. And then just some time and reflection. And then actually my husband and I recorded our version of the birth story too. So now, yeah. So I can like, I haven't listened to it. But if I ever want to, I can. And anyway, um, yeah,
0: yeah. I have photos of my birth. So I had like a. I, I also wanted to go with the midwives, had it all set up, and then ended up having an induction because I was both late and having high blood pressure. And then I also wanted an unmedicated birth. I ended up with an epidural, a lot of pushing, but it, um, it did. How long was it? Twenty. 36 hours but most of it um i ended up doing the epidural pretty early because i was like i'm they were already inducing me and i was like this is crazy it's like every all the plans go out the window but i didn't think any of that would happen i definitely didn't i also did the hypno babies thing and it's um i always think about there's this girl on instagram called manifestation babe and she's like a manifesting expert and she did hypno babies as well um but, and she wanted also an unmedicated, she was doing an at-home birth. Um, And she tells her story in this podcast, but she ends up going to the hospital, doing an epidural and all that. And I'm like, wow, if the manifestation expert of the world can't, you know, overcome her, uh you know, can't fight through it, then it, there's sometimes you just can't fight through it. You just have to go with
1: it. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, and at that point too, it's not just about us. Yeah, it's like about the baby and like, well, I guess like the woman and the baby, pretty much. Yes, (laughs) yes.
0: Has being a mother changed your art?
1: I think inevitably yes, because I'm a different person now that I'm a mother, and I have less time Mm -hmm. to be um, to be making art and to be uh, dedicating. You know, I just have less time to dedicate to it. So I think as much as I would hope that maybe it wouldn't, although not that it's bad, I don't think it's changed in a bad way. I mean, do I wish I had more time? Yes. But I feel like most people would say that. Yeah. <laughs> mothers not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I find that uh, the, the whole like art, all the art world stuff just doesn't matter as much to me as it used to, because I, I don't know, it's like, because I have this this community around Dramatographia, which has always been mm-hmm. something that's been very important to me, and they're not part of the art world. But mm-hmm. then also, just my son's interest in it. It's it, like he, like my latest series, Blue Back," where I gathered some flora from the mountains near my house. Um, he helped me gather that stuff, and he helped me mm-hmm. find you know, plants to collect and to use in my work. And he, he would be like really excited to see the photos from the different shoots and stuff. And, and he's like, wow. my mom's a photographer and, you know, like oh it, it's, God. yeah, it's really sweet. He's very supportive and interested. And I just hope that, that lasts. So sweet.
0: Oh my gosh. Maybe that is fun. so sweet. Wow. Yeah, so,
1: I don't know. I mean, I think, um, yeah. Yes, it has changed.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so, um, I think it's interesting, this idea of you found a community outside of the art world with people who, um, is, is the community mainly people who have, sorry, dermatographia, am I saying? Mm-hmm. Anyways, is it mainly people who have that, or is it, um, um I don't know, a mix of maybe like doctors, professionals coming in or Um, what makes up that community?
1: It's mostly, yeah, people with dermatographia. Yeah. Um, They're, yeah, like other people who have it, who are looking for, you know, ways to heal their skin and to heal their perspectives about it and, Mm -hmm. and to get in touch with their skin and like, well, I know it's such a cliche thing to say, but to be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, well, like really... it has a new
0: meaning the way you say
1: it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty transformational to be able to to be to feel like comfortable with something. And then mm-hmm. um, I always tell people to. I get a lot of emails from teenagers because it, it often shows up in teen years. I mean, little babies can have it too. Actually, I think mm-hmm. my son has a, a mild form of it. I don't think he has it as mm-hmm. bad as me, but he seems to have something. He's got my skin, very pale mm-hmm. and sensitive. Unfortunately, he didn't get my husband's <laughs> Korean skin. <laughs> so um, Anyway. So the te- the teenagers will write me and just be like, what do, what do I do? People tease me mm-hmm. about it. And I'm so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And I always say, it's like, put it out there. Tell people if they say, Oh, gross, what's wrong with you? You have a, something weird on your face or whatever, They'll just be like, Oh yeah, well look what I can do, you know, like draw something on your arm or whatever. And then like, what can you do? Because once you (laughs) own something like that, then it kind of takes away other people's power over you. Yeah. Brings it back to, to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask something that I kind of, Oh, right. The finding the community. Um, and so how has it, uh, what was the impetus and how do you sort of define the leaving or at the art world a bit or it being less important to you?
1: Um, you cut out a little bit, but all, all, right. I, so all I heard was what was the impetus for leaving the art world or?
0: Yeah. Or how would you sort of define this kind of transition that you did from sounds like being. Well, I don't want to put the words into your mouth, but like how how would you like from, I guess, from more in school and like living in New York to like sort of transitioning into not feeling like you're as much a part of it? Is that the right way to put it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, mo- moving, I felt like I was more mm-hmm. part of the art world when I lived in New York because I, had a lot of friends doing things a lot of artist friends and um and then I was showing there I had a gallery in Chelsea that I was showing with which they now gave up their physical space and um they don't really I don't even know if they still technically exist but anyway um then it's like then we moved my husband and I moved to LA and it's a big move and when we were older you know it was like in my 30s and uh like mid to late thirties and it's, it's harder to meet new people. And all of my friends who live here who have, who are artists, they kind of are like already established in their own way. And, uh, and they also don't have kids, which is so annoying. Like come on, cool artist people have kids, please, <laughs> because we need more, more cool people in the world. But yeah, I, um, I don't know. It just, it just started to also feel kind of more shallow to me as just I think the the art world in general has just changed, like, since I was in grad school. You know, I mean, when I started grad school, it was 20 years ago. And um, now there's a lot more people who are coming out as artists. And there's just way more of a scene, way more galleries and things. And then, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, I just have been finding it, like, less fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So I'm still enmeshed in the art world, for sure. It's just... Uh, I'm not seeking it out as much. Like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to find galleries to show with like I was mm-hmm. before. And um, I'm not going, I'm not even going to see art as much as I used to, which it's it's harder to do that here than it is in New York. I mean, I used yeah. to love just going out and having art days in New York and it's so easy. You just jump on the train and you're there. You just walk around Chelsea or wherever Lower East Side. And um, here it's just more spread out and driving, it's a pain. (laughs) So, um, also I, um, I just really love like the raw honesty of people who are like, for example, people who are drawing on their skin Mm -hmm. to just experiment with it and come to terms with it or whatever, like accept themselves. It's not Mm -hmm. based in theory. It's not, Mm -hmm. I don't know, some high conceptual blah, blah, blah. It's just, just very Mm -hmm. straightforward. Mm -hmm. It's like,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that reminded me, that's what I was going to ask is, um, are, do some of these people collect your artwork?
1: No, I've had some interest, but yeah. the thing is, is that uh, people who aren't in the art world don't understand how expensive art can be. And yes. I don't, my yeah. prices aren't even that high, you know, yeah. compared to like so many yeah. people. So yeah. I feel like my prices are very low, but they expect, they just want to get like a print on Etsy for 20 bucks. Right. Or something yeah. Right. Right. Right.
0: I can. Yes. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, okay. Where and how do women find agency and empowerment in art?
1: Well, um, I think that like by creating the work in, in our own visions, like the way we want to, we can help shape the world and help shape people's views of the world to include our own views. Um, So, you know, like as we've been talking a lot about the skin work as a way to heal and to help others heal. And it's about like sharing our experiences, sharing our voices and self-acceptance. And I think in that way, I think of art as activism. I mean, it's it's different than some big project for social justice or, or social change. But I mean, I think, you know, activism can also start at this really small level of like, mm-hmm. here, how can I help you feel more comfortable in your own skin <laughs> or something? And then yeah. like, and you can go forward, we can all, all of us, myself included, we can all go forward and do more good in the world. Yeah.
0: So. That's beautiful. (laughs) Totally. Totally.
1: Um,
0: How has the place of women in and or as art changed over time and across different media?
1: Yeah, I um, I was thinking about that question, like, in terms of what I was saying earlier, you know, where I felt like there just Mm -hmm. was not a strong feminist perspective at University of Washington. I'm sure now it's better. I hope Mm -hmm. it is. But um we we are fortunate to have such a rich history of feminist art. And you know, I think of like Gorilla Girls and um and then people who become super famous, like Cindy Sherman, and I mean she's been famous for a long time, but she's like total icon. Uh even, even people who were considered more avant-garde and and edgy before like Carolee Schneeman and mm-hmm. And, Indiana, and like some of those people whose work is pretty intense it can be really intense but they're they they have a lot more visibility now and um yeah i think that is helping change let's see oh, what am i trying to say i think just like the accessibility of those ideas and and just the how it's easier to see art now mm-hmm. if you know you, you know, we can look at something up on the computer. Yeah. And seeing it in person but still it's accessible and so then um that that history is informing these new ways of making and and i think that has just like carved this path for for women to do more things Uh openings for
0: us yeah yeah um can you talk a bit more about the relationship between feminism and art
1: Well, like <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> It's a big question. It's, I, know, I mean yeah. I don't I don't know where I would start with. Okay, I couldn't ideas. answer it. Okay. And, well I was I was glad to have the questions in advance because then I was like really thinking about this. You know, it's great. I love thinking about this stuff because yeah. I mean I just I love feminism. Sure. And I had I had this professor when I was an undergrad, Joanna Frew. And she unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, mm-hmm. breast cancer. But we became we, mm-hmm. we became friends when I was her student in undergrad and we stayed friends until she passed. And she mm-hmm. was like as feminist as feminist could be, just like in your mm-hmm. face. I mean, she just was so inspiring to me. Um, so I'm very thankful that I had her <laughs> in my life mm-hmm. and she just was just instrumental to uh who I am now, but anyways, mm-hmm. so it's like well, like this whole thing, you know what I was saying about art as activism um I think about that like this that feminism brings awareness to an attention to the feminist experience and mm-hmm. um and the awareness for of the need for equity and more activism, and like you know we aren't just feminists to just help like white women succeed. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to help everybody who has marginalized succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like thinking about equity, activism and bringing awareness to these things. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, I don't know, like all of this crazy stuff with um, in Florida where they're trying to get women to, or these young women to keep track of their, menstrual periods and it's because they're trying to track possible abortions or something i don't even understand it's so crazy uh did you hear about that
0: i i didn't know that sounds disturbing it's a real
1: thing DeSantis is trying to have um have young women athletes keep track of their periods as part of their like health check-ins and there's been a huge backlash. So I think it's actually not going to happen. Thank goodness. But it's just a way of tracking women's bodies and, mm-hmm. um, and making sure we don't get abortions or something. I don't know. So anyway, uh, I think though it's, it's really helpful to have these people who feel strongly about women's rights and how we have a right to say what we want to do with our bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Uh yeah. It's, yeah. it's creating change.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, can a woman just be art? Yes, I, I think so. But I think that to go even further and like in line with all of this other stuff, I think that anyone can just be art. Mm-hmm. If, because, I was thinking about how like we all have opportunities to exist in an artful way. So Mm -hmm. the ways we move and dress and speak Mm -hmm. and treat others and, um, you know, like everything we do is performative. Mm -hmm. I mean, every choice, you know, it's like we, how we do our hair or what we wear Mm -hmm. or any, anything like that is, is performative on some level. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think also like, by being a presence, uh, or by being somebody who wants to initiate change, or who to be an activist, or to bring awareness to these different experiences and all the stuff I'm talking about, then that's like transforming. I feel like that's transformative. That's um, yeah. I wrote on transforming the mundane is art. Um, so, uh, like, if we have that, yeah. we have that opportunity to do that in our everyday existence. Uh
0: huh. Do you feel, does someone have to say this is art or like, I I think that's a great answer, just that anyone can be art. That's a, that's, or everybody can be art or maybe everybody is art. Um, Does somebody, do you feel at all need to like say, like, okay, so I am art educated and I use the art lingo to sort of say, like, let's say this, this, uh, to declare something to be a performance or is it just sort of, inherent in everybody that everybody like you're saying how they move or how they present because everything is a performance that that just everybody is art or do they have to declare
1: it I think yeah I don't know I don't know if I would say everybody is art although Uh that's kind of inadvertently what I did just say but when I don't know when you put it like that and I'm like is everybody art I don't know I think Uh um that's that's a tough one because I used to think yeah. there was like there was art and then there was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. You think you're an artist mm-hmm. but you're not, you know, the, you have a conceptual anything and this isn't really art and whatever. I used to think there was mm-hmm. this hierarchy. And I mean there still is. I do think there is an, a hierarchy, but I think anybody can create things and you can they can use their bodies and their cells as a as a, their their canvas, whatever, and mm-hmm. create from that. But um, I I don't know. I don't know that it needs to be declared. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If somebody's just like moving through the world, just doing their thing. Does that mean they're art or they're per- performative or, you know, are they, mm-hmm. they're, I don't know.
0: Yeah. What do I you don't mean? know either. I don't know. I don't have an answer to the question at all, I, but it's a, I like asking the question. It's really, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a tough one. I mean, I guess it probably just depends so much on how you define it, but that's kind of a cop out as an answer. Um, I mean, it makes me think as you're talking about, I'm trying to remember, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, and maybe an example of someone like Anna Cam who like started, as, I mean, I don't know exactly her history, but my understanding of it is she started by streaming her bedroom basically all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm not sure if she started by saying this is an art project or later on kind of net art people came in and was like, oh, this is this is art. Let's put this in the archives. Um, but to me, I don't know. That's sort of like, I don't know. The, I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know if... And then also, I, I mean, I think, and when I think about it, often it has to do with audience. So it's like, like mm-hmm. there are these people on TikTok who are like hugely, hugely popular. Are they artists or not artists
1: mm-hmm. and who has right. it, to yeah. decide? And I things are changing so quickly too, like bringing yeah. up TikTok, I mean, how long has that even existed? It hasn't yeah, even existed right. for long. So right. I mean, even the, the internet in general, hasn't even been around yes. that long. Like yeah. I you mean know, I feel fortunate to be the age that I am and like have experienced what it was like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean when I first moved to New York I didn't have a, a smartphone. I had to just like learn my way around, you know? Yeah. And I did. I was getting lost a lot and I mean it was kind of fun. It's like so different now. You go to a new place and you just turn on the map and then you don't yeah. even have to think about it. But yeah, I mean things have changed a lot. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, in terms of like audience and if you're calling yourself Mm -hmm. an artist and yeah, I think all of that stuff matters, but I don't
0: know. Another thing I've thought is that like, because now self photography through selfies and has kind of become a new form of self portraiture um, or how the art world would call it self portraiture, that it's, it's kind of calling into question, like, is art, is any selfie art or not? Um, And again, I don't know. I don't necessarily know the answer. I would say that, yeah, not every selfie is a piece of art, but I think that. Or okay, hold on. What I'm trying to say is I think it it almost calls into question a lot of. um, I think not calls into question. It makes it harder, I think, for self photography to be respected, (laughs) actually, is how I would say, like, I feel like there's sort of this crazy democratization of photography is very exciting. You know, I use it, I I think so many people use it, but I think it does make it a bit harder for particularly female artists who are self photographing themselves to sort of be like, "Um, but I get there's a lot of it, but also like what I'm doing is something that I want to be considered and talked about as art. Um, I feel like it's not quite, it's harder to hit the level of respect perhaps or harder for the art world but i think that's an issue with photography in general that i've heard people talk about is it's just harder to have that taken seriously as an art form compared to painting or something
1: yeah definitely and that's always been i mean even before i remember when i was you know first starting out as a photographer i remember that being an issue Mm -hmm. because i was like oh photography you know like Mm
0: -hmm. it was almost
1: like in the realm of graphic design or something Uh (laughs)
0: And the reproducibility um, yeah. is so tricky. How, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that in your work in terms of the reproducibility? Do you have like a set number? Yeah.
1: Go. <laughs> well, oh, so for my, for my fine art stuff, I have mm-hmm. addition to work. Yeah. but I'm thinking about even like digital images. I mean, people will just swipe my images and use them all over the place all the time. And it used to really bother me. And I would reach out to people when possible and ask mm-hmm. them to give credit, but yeah. It's I feel like it's just kind of a if you're putting something out there, then there's a chance that somebody's going to take it and, and appropriate it or reuse it or whatever. It's just it's like a risk totally. that we can all take.
0: Totally. It reminds me very much of Hito Sterols like talking about it as the poor image and how the poor image is just transferred around online and um it you it loses where it was, it loses sort of the authorship. It um, but it gains this great virality often um, but then again it sort of takes it out of the realm of of what's considered typically i think fine art it puts it into yeah. some other realm but then you know but then if you want to take it back in where and how can you do that i'm not sure that's something i think about a lot yeah with those kinds of images because there is some value in views or distributing but then how do you uh, show that value or how do you, I guess, show that value in art? It's sort of a different Yeah. Topic. I
1: don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, things are changing so fast too. Like I said, I'm, mm. I just, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, so Nate, please name some female artists you're
1: excited about and why. Well, I haven't been keeping up on a lot of, like, super contemporary work um, because I've been a little bit out of the art world lately. But um, some people – well, there's, like, a couple local artists that I like. Like, this this uh, sculptor, Naveen Mahmood. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. But she's mm-hmm. a sculptor. And she's L.A.-based. But she makes these really beautiful, like, organic bodily sculptures out of, like, marble and stone. And they're just they're just so gorgeous. Um, so I really love that. And and then this other, woman, do you know? Have you heard Whitney Hubs? Have you seen her work? Um, I'm not sure. I feel like you would be interested in her work because she does yeah. do a lot of portraiture and she plays around with oh, eroticism. And um, oh. yeah she she doesn't always use herself as the subject, but she has, like, I didn't see her last show that she had, but she just had a show at the end of last year at, of 2022. And she mm-hmm. was, like, it It was, the, she was inspired by, like, stripper uh yeah. lexicon and, like, um I don't know, just all kinds cool. of weird, like, erotic stuff. But then she's playing <laughs> with it and making it look kind of silly in a way, but it's, like... <laughs> Still kind of erotic and yeah and then she photographs herself so oh, cool um, and then some of her older work too I, I first saw her work back in 2016 she had a show and I really loved those photographs and what she did for that show is she had these other women pose as her so she was directing them <laughs> and she wanted them to be like her it, it was like as they were her which I don't know. Like I, so I've always wanted to do that because it's so hard photographing yourself all the time. Yeah. I don't know. If oh gosh. That. Yeah. Like, I wish I had more control sometimes over, you know, and like I've got it down. I mean, digital is, it makes it a lot easier to do mm-hmm. self portraits, but anyways. Um, and yeah. then as far as like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead.
0: Um,
1: so yes, I'm very much a fan of the all the usual's like like Jillian wearing uh self-portraits and like the mm-hmm. series that she did where she made the masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like all the heavy hitters like mm-hmm. Cindy Sherman. I mean yeah. she just she just has always been an inspiration to me from like when I was a wee young artist, uh Francesca Woodman, mm-hmm. Anna Mendietta, Barbara Krueger, Jean Antoni, uh Hannah Wilkie, Adrian Piper, like all all mm-hmm. of these I mean, they're all feminist superstars, but actually interesting, um, side note about Janine Antoni. I I've always loved her work so much. And I had this really cool opportunity when I first moved to New York, she needed somebody to live in her, in her basement apartment in the Brownstone that she was living in. So I actually was renting an apartment from her and I, I used to babysit her daughter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it wow. was like such an honor. Yeah. Cause I, and she's just such a cool person. She's just like very wow. generous and accepting and kind and just not like snobby or anything. I mean, I'm just a very cool person anyway. So, um, That's so, so yeah. Cool. Huh? That's awesome. That's so cool. Oh. What a cool experience. Yeah, I know. I didn't really talk about that, but it just, yeah. it was like I was thinking about artists and, you know, like all I could just think about those, those women that are, you know have just been a fan of for Mm -hmm. so long
0: that's great um is there anything else you'd like to
1: add i don't think so i um, I don't think so i just just want to say thank you for having me yeah project thank you
0: thank you for being on and sharing your thoughts um yeah i think that's all i'll see you next week in la hopefully
1: Okay, yes, I would love that. that.
0: Together, yeah, that'd be yes, cool. that would be awesome. Well, thank you so much, and um, I'll be in touch. Okay, sounds good. Perfect. Bye. Bye. This has been the Women as an Art podcast, hosted by me, Leah Schrager. Please visit womenasanart.com for more information and to find us
1: on socials. Thanks.